What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dogs Football Podcast here on this Monday. It is another Victory Monday after this three-game winning streak and defeating the Redbirds this past Saturday night. We will discuss that because we were there and tons more. I'm Nick Malone, joined by Noah Lurch. Noah, we recall 0-2. I think we've said it every time we've gotten a win now. 0-2 to start, down in the dumps. Now we've rattled off three straight. It was a, uh, you know, we went through the the ringer that Saturday night. And being there, I couldn't imagine watching on TV the ringer for the end of that game. We'll talk about it. what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the question was, after you won the first one, can you keep stacking them? And uh, here we are. We, like you said, we stacked three wins in a row here. Um, wasn't easy on Saturday. Um, after the first half, it looked like um, we could come out in the second half, put them away. We didn't. Um, looked like the reverse of last year. Um, that's what it felt like. Um, but, yeah, I mean, here we are three in a row. We got a tough one again this week, but um, got a lot to break down from Saturday. Yeah, we will sneak peek the Bears of Missouri State. They're kind of scuffling right now, but that doesn't mean anything when they're at home and we have to go into their place. In a rivalry game we've talked about, that's arguably the biggest game of the year. So we will dive into that. And a small portion at the very end of this, yeah, that game. Uh, like, yeah, we went to it. We remember going, like you said, four years ago where it was, uh, you know, they killed us and we left early, but we parked. We were, you know, the whole thing about parking there is trouble. We tried to get there. You know, we went there after work, tried to find a good place to eat. It's impossible to park anywhere around the downtown, you know, like, ish area near the stadium. So we were going to park in the in like the back neighborhoods like we did. It's just a really long walk. So we decided to go over and we found a lot after circling for however long uh, and then found a lot. And then we ate at a place, some off the radar pizza place. And then we did all of that to finally found a spot and then walked in with plenty of time to spare. We recall people mentioned that and a lot of people did. We had a uh, standing room only tickets and it was a cool night out. And, no, oh, we found some bleachers that might have been assigned to whoever else. We found a really good spot next to some other SIU fans. And we sat there all night debating about if we were going to move to the big, you know, the big sections or the big stands. But they filled up. And, no, I mean, that one side, the SIU side that's got the students and stuff, it filled up. It didn't get all the way towards the sellout. It got pretty close because when we were pulling up, there were people everywhere. Yeah, there was a lot of people there. I think it – announced uh, 11,127 so a really good really good crowd for family weekend up there um, I think they bring a pretty good crowd uh, SAU brought a pretty good section we know uh, parents like to travel um, to a lot of the games so a lot of parents there a lot of northern northern uh, alums for SIU that live up in that area probably drove to the game because shorter distance but yeah, big crowd, incredible atmosphere, um, did a good job uh, quieting them in the first half, but second half was a different question. But, yeah, um, I'd say we talked about right before the Northwestern game how we've seen an account about terrible parking, but a lot easier parking job at Northwestern, I felt like, than Illinois State. Yeah, hands down. Northwestern was a uh... – which I don't even – yeah, we found like an off-the-radar lot, paid 20 bucks and just walked a little bit away. I would say it was definitely easier than this. Yeah, they – and they we know they used to be really good in football. 
you know, I'm not saying they aren't now, but not what they were, like we said, in the early, you know, 2010s, you know, going to the championship and just being really good. They have the facilities and all that stuff and the fan base to go off of. So, yeah, it was – and like I said, it was a really chilly night, as we can attest to. So, we, we got good seats to watch this one. So, yeah, let's dive into how it went. Uh, if we recall, Noah, is there anything at the start of the game that we saw? You know, we always like to see, especially if we're there, clearly. Anything, any – we'll get to injuries throughout the game. Anything – that you notice, maybe I don't think we've discussed about this clearly, like off of this, just thinking about who was hurt that we saw, who's not, because we were right next to the, where the team went in and out. Actually, I guess Derek Harden Jr., who remains undressed, uh, wasn't there. Anything else that stuck out before we get into this injury-wise? Yeah, uh, did notice that uh, Dre Newman is back. I noticed that during warm-up, so it's good to have a really good special teams ace back. Um, and is a good depth corner for us. So uh notice that. Like you said, Derek Harden Jr. is still undressed. Um, but other injury-wise, didn't see anybody out of the ordinary not dressed or not playing. Um, but other than that, I mean, we can we can talk – just say it out there that uh, the Illinois State basketball team uh, was standing right where we came in, and they really were – couldn't hear what they're saying, but I seen the Illinois State administrator really giving it to him, telling him to have some class. So uh, then I just remember after the game, some of the SIU players were coming back through. We were standing there, and they were asking where the basketball players at. So they weren't must have not have any class, and really shocked that they would let them do that. Yeah, I know we saw because we obviously do the basketball side and we we keep up with the players that they have. So it's easy, and they're they're so big, so anybody could recognize. Well, that's basketball, but we knew who the players were, and yeah, just seeing them, you know, walk behind us and go over there just to talk crap. It seemed like to the coaches even some coaches were smiling as they were coming on the field, but it was definitely not great. You're right; somebody was talking to them. There were fans around saying, "Man, I can't believe they were saying that stuff like that." So yeah, it's funny. And then they went to the student section, and we didn't see them again. So. Yeah, I mean, and there were some fans screaming and cussing behind us, you know, towards the end of the game when it was getting to the nitty-gritty and stuff. So, they, they all around could have been better. We'll remember that, especially their basketball team. We'll remember that. So, yeah, so diving into the game, no, I mean, obviously, outside of, like, yeah, not noticing anything in particular before the game, I mean, it couldn't have gone – well, I'd say we didn't. Nobody scored in the first quarter. I mean, we it was tough for us to score any other quarter but the second quarter. Uh, and do we do we recall what didn't what wasn't working in the first half? Like we know they have a good defense. We'll get to that. They definitely had sacks in this game. We didn't go sackless in this one. Uh, you know they had a good defense. What wasn't working for us on offense? Because our defense obviously came to play, and we'll get to that. They definitely came to play in the second half. Do you recall like why we didn't score or get anything going in the first quarter before we scored all of our points in the second? Yeah, I just remember. Um... I think we scored right before, yeah, our first drive. I think we went nine plays for only like 28 yards and had to punt. Um, but, yeah, really, I mean, obviously the line of scrimmage, we knew they had a stout front seven. Um, we know Zeke Vandenberg's a potential defensive player of the year in the Missouri Valley. So um, that that's that's a guy that there's we could, really couldn't get anything going in the run game. Um, I know we tried getting Roe Elliott going there a little bit early. Um, we had some uh, passes. Uh, couldn't complete one to Deontay, I remember, early in that first drive. 
and just had some other incomplete passes there in the middle. Um, we found Bryce Miller a little bit early, got him going. But really on that first drive, um, I think it ended with a sack. Um, then we had to buy Vandenberg. So we had to go ahead and punt that away. So um, got a little going, moved the ball a little bit in that first drive, got it towards midfield. But after that, uh, the Vandenberg sack, which didn't give up a sack last week, but um, Vandenberg and some of those other guys on that front front line are different animals than we saw last week. No, no doubt about that. And yeah, there were punts galore in this game. We'll get to one of our takeaways, special teams, and what Nick even said in this presser today, how it's got to be better and they expect it to be. But yeah, I mean, Nathan Torney did not do well in punting. I think he had 38 yards, Nick said, of net in this game. And uh, we recalled that throughout the game that it was honestly seemed better whenever he dropped it or whenever they're uh, the pressure was coming and he had to get it away. I don't know. There should have been some block punts in there. Uh, but he, he get it away when there's more desperation. Uh, you know, those were probably his best punts. Other than that, he was not good once again. We're hoping, as Nick said in the press today, you got to be able to flip the field and you got to do it, obviously, next Saturday. For sure, he had an emphasis on that. But, yeah, outside of the punting, when we finally scored in the first quarter or in the second quarter, we, you're right. You, you mentioned we did get Bryce involved a little bit. It was good to see he had a lot of snaps. We got the box score. He had a nice game. He's kind of stepping up, you know, when others, I guess, aren't getting the opportunity or stepping up themselves when they're out there. But, yeah, Javon found him for a pass to Bryce in this drive. And, yeah, Deontay, and we'll get to him. He's he's a star in the making. And it took six years into college for him to be able to – definitely here to be able to break out like this next to his brother. But uh, it ended in a – what would we say? Nick Baker, yeah, sneak up uh, on third and goal at the one to get our first points of the game. And we were honestly rolling after that, Noah. I mean, made them punt again. I mean, they only went 15 yards, took three minutes off the clock. But we went down and scored once again. Uh, Javon got in this one. This is tied in the special teams. We'll talk about it maybe at the end again. But while we see it, Jay got a PAT uh, or missed it right on this one. He had a, He had one blocked also in the game. Uh, no, that's not like Jake. Obviously, we recalled because I'm pretty sure I think on the last one on Friday we talked about what the wind could be at that time, and it, like I said, it was cold and the wind was hitting at times, maybe in our face because we were kind of southwest, hitting exactly what we thought it was going to do. Uh, but obviously that wouldn't have you know it was, and you had a better vantage point than me. I think in that moment you just missed it right. But other than that, when we were up 13 to nothing, it was a good run by Javon to finish drives that we get that deep. So we're being a lot better in the red zone. But no, a, a missed by Jake. We don't see it. We've been seeing a little bit of that. Remember, blocked Northwestern. Uh, Jake's showing that he's human a little bit, but it's not like him, really. Yeah. I mean, really, uh, after um, watching all of the kicks I think he's missed this year, he missed one besides the ones that got blocked. He missed one barely to the right at uh, Northwestern. Uh, all of this has been just squeaking by that right upright, just missing. So he's not that far off. But, yeah, it's things that, um, like Nick Hill said, need to be need to be fixed, and they're going to work on them. I know Dan Verdun asked during a week, how do you get that done? And it's just coaches and putting them, put them in a position, maybe in practice, to get a little more work in. But, yeah, I mean, obviously – Jake, uh, he won the kicking job, but 
we ran through kickers in the off season. We brought one in. Um, Louisiana Monroe transfer. He ended up not staying. Then we brought in Thomas Burks from Middle Tennessee State. Um, obviously he's doing kickoffs, but um, Jake ended up winning the job, and he's been pretty solid. Um, I know. Um, in one of in our in my Saluki chat on Twitter with a bunch of fans said, um, one of them said during the kicking game that the kicking kicking game is been a major problem for us this year. Um, and I just said, I told him that it hasn't been a major, I wouldn't say major problem yet. It, it's yet to cost us a game. So I wouldn't say major, but it's definitely not been, obviously punting's not been a strong suit, but for the most part from being a redshirt freshman, Jake Bumgart's done a decent job so far. We're just used to, in our kicking game, we're used to having Nico be automatic. We're used to Jack being able to pin teams within the five, within the 10 with ease. And we've yet to see that this year. It's crazy thinking about how thinking of Nico and Jack that we feel like we just had, like that just shows you how quickly this off season went by to get to this next season. Cause I feel like they were just on the team and we were just, I just can picture, you know, seeing them in person and stuff and how, you're right, and how perf- almost perfect, like perfect they were all the time. That it's crazy just how the seasons go by, and then here we are with this one. You're right, Jake. Jake's done a way better job than even what a tourney has with without a doubt. Like Jake's kept us in games, and you know the little bitty amounts that he's missed. Definitely, like you could say, could it like how Northwestern was close and we let them tie it before we broke away. Like, and then in this game, yeah, you could say that, but I, I I'd say, and we'll get into it how you know the play calling in this one. Because we mentioned how, you know, we should have, you know, six points due to a block and a miss compared to, like, our play calling just should have been better in the second half to put us in a better position. So, yeah, Jake's fine. He's got – he's he, he learned from the best, and he's doing he's doing a great job so far. Can't be perfect all year, so – because nobody is Nico. So, yeah. So, there were – still were punts galore. And then on, on our third score of the half – or the quarter end of the half of the game uh, – Noah, we mentioned Deontay. He had a huge 43-yard run to get us to, uh, you know, down to their in their territory, huge. But then, Noah, we noticed on the play, we held our breath because uh, Jacob Garrett was down. And you immediately said it because I think I just looked over and saw him and didn't, like, catch the instance of it, that it looked to be non-contact. And he was down for a little bit. He sat up. The trainers came to him. Nick came over to him. It didn't obviously look good, Noah. And then we noticed how he was walking fine to the sideline. And he was kind of warming up, jogging a little bit. And then we saw him go to the locker room before a half. Like I said, no, we, we, we caught our breath on this one. We know how important he's been. And we'll get into it if you know since he played in the second half, which was definitely a surprise. Didn't do a whole lot. Kind of did what he's you know used to in the past, not his receiving self. But no, we definitely caught our breath because if we lost Jacob, you know it for multiple different reasons. We feel like we'd be screwed. We know we have ties that could fill in those shoes, but Jacob's just been a consistent machine. Clearly, uh, we caught we dodged a bullet there. Maybe I mean we don't even know the status of him really. We just know he finished the game. Hopefully he's fine. We're thinking he is. Like I said, no, we caught a break there. Yeah, absolutely. We, I mean, we hope. Um, obviously, he probably got it looked at uh, when they got back. Um, probably had something done probably yesterday to look at it. Um, nobody asked today in the presser 
um, an update on him. But, yeah, he was going to be the lead blocker on that play. I think um, I think he got a hand on one guy, but it looked to be almost like non, non-contact the way he went down. And but he got up. He's one of the, he's probably the one of the toughest guys on this team. He's the heart and soul. Um, him going down last year, not be able to play for the most of the year, be able to come back for the playoffs. Then now this year he comes back. Last year um, of playing football, seeing him go down like that, it was not a good sign. Him coming off, but seeing him being a captain of this football team and one of the biggest leaders. Um, him coming off and seeing one of the other guys in Keenan Agnew being right there to check on him as soon as he got to the sideline. Um, just guys that have been here to, together so much, and him starting to jog. Then we seen him go back to the locker room. Um, but seeing him come out of halftime, um, starting to warm up, being taped up or putting a some kind of brace on that knee, um, him fighting through it and be able to finish this game. Yeah, I mean, it, it it would just be the ultimate, like, of course, kind of thing with how great he's been playing and one of his, if not obviously his final year, how just important he's been. You know, he's been and talked about so much on all these interviews, and then all of a sudden he would have a season ended like that. Like I said, the jinx of it all wouldn't be surprised, but thankfully that is not the case. You're right, and we talk, and we talked about, like, captain's patches for college. You don't see it a whole lot. A whole lot. You just know who your leaders are, but you need to, like – we think you need to like obviously have like the C on your chest and we were narrowing it down because we saw Gino Hess and like a picture they posted of their game. Gino Hess has a C on his for SEMO. And we're like, we need some of those, like just to let it be known. And Jacob would easily have one. You're right. Keenan would easily have one. They're the biggest leaders of this team. Javon would have one. And then I think Keenan only one on defense that we would think, right. We talked about that. Maybe only Keenan, a lot of new faces, a lot of maybe guys who wouldn't, quote-unquote, earn it, per se, just the veterans of the team. And we said Javon, and then it seems like the quarterback's got to be – have the captain patch, right? No, we honestly probably need to say something. We got in one of these pressers. Not only would we ask who's hurt every week, like we want to and hope that people would, we'd ask them about that captain that they need to get that done. Wouldn't you say Keenan probably the only one on defense? You could probably give it to one on special teams. Like we mentioned Dre Newman, maybe you wouldn't. But if you kept it like, kept it like four people – wouldn't you think Keenan, Jacob, Nick, and Javon probably would be the ones? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm just trying to think who goes out there for kickoffs, but I think it's Jacob, Keenan, uh, sometimes Nick Baker. But, yeah, obviously um, those would be the guys. Um, yeah, just mentioning we'd ask for updates every week if we were able to. Um Last couple of weeks, I think Bucky's been doing it. He was not on today, so um, didn't get an update for injuries today. But usually Bucky's been – I don't know if he listens to us or not because we said we'd do it every week. He's been starting to ask for updates because um, it's a, we've been playing some physical football, especially in Missouri Valley, and you'd like to know if everybody comes, comes out clean or not or, or um, ask for some evaluation of guys after the game. I think it's just vital. Like, I feel like around the country in every sport, I feel like you have to. And, you know, he's not going to – we know just coaches in general like to keep it close to the vest, and he's not just going to randomly – you know, he couldn't his opening remarks say this. It's like, well, how about 
one of the players that have saved us in games this year, four touchdowns the last two weeks. Like it would be nice to know a status, but maybe that could just mean that he's fine. There's nothing to even harp on or even worry about. So you're right. Somebody show we were expecting Mike maybe to do it as well, and he hasn't. But it feels like we want to be in those. We feel like we deserve it to this point, but it we joke about it all the time. But it is what it is. And then, um, yeah, just important to know. And like I said, unless he's asked, I don't think he's going to say it. So either way, that that's all right because, like I said, you're, yeah, captains, and that's probably who it would be, and we're thankful that he's, as of right now, good to go. So we noticed that on our last touchdown drive, Romir found it. So we had three different players get in for our three touchdowns, and then this was the PAT that got blocked. So we had a 19-point lead, could have been a 21, but it was the 19. We turned them over on downs. Noah, six plays, about a minute on the clock. Dewey Green get another sack to finish it off before halftime. But, no, we noticed how – we only had one play we feel like we wanted to get before the half. But Noah Dewey Green, three sacks in the last three weeks. And we talked about how maybe he's filling in for Raekwon since he's hurt. And we know the revolving door we like to do. Dewey gets in there and he gets to the quarterback. Noah, dive into what you've seen from Dewey so far and then start us off on the halftime stats. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Dewey Green's been um, – as soon as he transferred here, um, we've seen him – a little bit, but not much. Obviously, we know we had two guys that didn't come off the field very much in Burner and Knighton, but he just has the the body and the skill set, um, back-to-back plays there where to end the half, he hurried to make an incomplete pass, and he sacks the quarterback for a seven-yard loss. I mean, Dewey Green's been huge. He's stepping up um, from where Raekwon or, you know, Raekwon's been out now. Um, hopefully get him back to even make it the depth even better. But yeah, I mean, Dewey's been huge. Um, then just talk about our last drive um, before the halftime stats. Uh, we completed a pass to um, Bryce Miller for 15 yards. He got out of bounds, then got hit late. Then they threw a flag and all of a sudden they decided to pick it up, which That's right, man. it would have, we would have gotten in field goal range and we'd had an attempt to add on make it a 22 nothing game, but all of a sudden they picked it up and decided there was no flag, which it was an obvious late hit. I mean, Nick Hill was arguing it. It was uh, really questionable why they picked it up, but yeah, just halftime stats, um, not a lot from Nick Baker. I mean, a lot of his yards came in the first half, 9 of 11 for 131, no TDs. He did have the rushing TD. Um, on the sneak, uh, but Javon was one for two passing, 16 yards. Um, but the first half was all about Deont- Deontay Cox receiving. He had six for 102 and rushing one for 43. Um, he, last week, he had the big touchdown. Now this week, really became a breakout player. Yeah, I guess we would just talk about him now even though, I mean, most of the stats stayed the same throughout the game. It'll be a, it'll be a short, just a, almost a takeaway type second half until the very end when we iced it. But, yeah, Deontay was the Missouri Valley newcomer of the week, which we talked about. You know, he's been here for only a certain amount of years, and he's in his sixth year overall that Nick was talking about how he's just proud of the fact that he's fought through injuries and they know how good he was and just getting him and Abante on the field at the same time. No, because, yeah, I mean, looking at the first half, it was just him and Bryce catching, and they were 10 for 147, the only ones who caught balls in the first half. 
Uh, and there wasn't any Avante, and we'll get to that. He got bailed out at the end to save his uh, consecutive game with a catch streak. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, like we said, if, if Bryce emerging like this, and that's obviously important, but Deontay doing it is honestly doing it by himself. He's right on that one rush. He was leading us in yards just on the one attempt. Romir, Romir is getting about – I mean, Romir has just been solid, like – we talk about him a lot. We pick him for dog of the game even sometimes. It's just like we were talking about earlier how he wasn't really finding the inside, in the gaps on the inside, so he was headed outside to find some runs throughout this game. Eight for 33 with that short touchdown uh, is all he had there. And then Javon, seven for 21. Uh, Justin, which we keep wanting Justin to you know break out at some point. We know he's healthy and he's playing. And we got the revolving. We see a, see a lot of LaShawn Lester as well, who was only in this game to help protect with Javon on his Wildcats. Uh, it would be nice. To, we know Justin's a receiver. It'd be nice to just use him a lot more in this, even though the nine yard catch that or nine yard rush that he had probably pivotal at the certain part of the game. And then Avante had the one rush and the Nick with the sacks only had four for negative seven. Um, so no thoughts on, uh, like I said, Romir, like, we talked about how their front was like that and our offensive line was the same one it's been and how success it's been, even though we know inside runs can be hard to come by for us. Talk about Romir finding his way to the outside because it was working for him throughout the game and then jump into defensive stats. Yeah, obviously um, we tried to get Romero going early. Um, he got a lot of tough yards. He did have a long of a 10 yard rush in that first half. Um, trying to get him going. A lot of inside zones. Um, it looked like he had to bounce it out to the outside because um, their their front was doing a pretty good job of uh, closing the gap um, inside the zones, in, inside the gaps on the inside of the interior offensive line. But, uh, but yeah, we were able – him and the mix of him, Deontay, and uh, Javon, then one rush by Justin and Avante, then Bake. Uh, obviously the sacks and the a couple I think a drop one one QB run um, by Nick in the first half uh, able to get a hundred yards rushing in that first half total um, I like to see that a lot more would be awesome but yeah good good first half to establish the run to set up some passing uh, but defensively um, obviously. Led by our leader, he's become our leader. Uh, Branson Combs, five total tackles, uh, four solo uh, in the first half. Cam Bowdry, um, they tried to run the ball a lot, but him and Keenan and other guys up the middle really stuffed it. Um, they tried to, they had to get to that side um, a lot more to try to get the run game going, but really, really solid. Branson Combs making plays. Uh, Clayton Bush had a pass breakup to go with two tackles. Uh, a lot of guys on this tackle. We had a lot of guys making plays, but um, led, led again by Branson Combs, but really good job by Cam um, stepping up uh, and making, making some plays in that in, interior defensive line in the first half. Yeah, we saw some uh, family that Cam had that went to the uh, standing room section in the lawn but realizing that, no, he got hurt in the second half, as we recall, and it just hit me that we saw him uh, get hurt, which he is also one. We He went – yeah, he went to the locker room in the second half, and we didn't see him. We didn't see him again, I don't believe. So, 
unless he came out like at the very end, but he's all, he's one, obviously he's pivotal to our team and seeing him get hurt. That's a status we don't know about. I'm assuming clearly that he's fine because nobody would ask about it, but nobody would even say anything about it regardless. So we'll see on the depth chart, maybe at the end of the week to see if he, he'll be healthy for this week. Cause we've stayed relatively healthy, healthy on defense this year. So we'd like to see that. Yeah. I think Branson, if we were talking about other captains patches on defense, he might have that just because how, you know, going into the season, even with a rough start that he's turned it on now. And he seems like, even though he's talking about, he's been more, I feel like if you have a captain's patch, you need to be more of a vocal guy. And we've seen the other guys we mentioned for that and do that. And Branson saying that he's been trying to improve that, but he's so important. I feel like it would, it would make sense. And then we talk about Dewey with the, I mean, if he comes in on third downs, which seems like some of the time he does, you know, if he, you know, he gets production on just a couple snaps and then a couple, you know, comes in and that's all he does. He's the bottom of this. And that, and he had the second, had the only QB hit of the game. So that's pivotal. See, D- seeing David and DJ on here, knowing that they had a lot of uh, – there's some corner blitz that we noticed in this game as well. Chris Harris was great in the second half. Seeing him on here. We'll look at the second half box score at the end. Like I said, not a whole lot. Definitely on defense. Defense was the only main bright spot of this game in the second half. So, no, let's – Let's get into how the second half started. We know we got the ball because we deferred. We got them to punt and ended up scoring like we did to get to the lead that it was. And but we punted right away and we said, okay, well, defense is up. We took four minutes off the clock. Everything's fine to an extent. Although Nathan Torney only had a 26-yard punt. Uh, but then they stormed down field or they, they punted again. Took a lot of plays out, but ended up not. We talked about how they might be in four-down territory at any point in the game. But they ended up punting, and we'll get to it. Is this the one right here, Noah, where they punted it, so they were kind of deep in our territory, or they were in our territory over the 50, and he punted at 30 yards, and they downed us at the one-yard line, and we were questioning, wondering why they were punting, but it worked out for them. Yeah, it definitely did. I mean, obviously, I mean, you're down in that game. I feel like, I mean, obviously, a defensive-minded coach over there um, wanting to pin us deep. Um, obviously, to help their offense get field a bit field position because they really weren't sustaining drives. But um, yeah, it was questionable. I've never seen somebody punt like that from inside the opposing team's forty uh, yard line. But a th- they pinned it down at the one. Um, so I mean, it's a first for everything. So got to see that. I mean questionable I would have went for it or taken the three points because at that point of the game um, they needed points and I guess they just didn't trust their field goal kicking so uh, pinned us at the one uh, after that questionable decision I would have went for it I mean they had nothing to lose at that point of the game yeah that's why it's weird it's like their coach could you know see the future I remember saying that in the moment that like yeah it worked out to the one yard line but you're right I don't think they probably weren't confident in their guy like outside of kicking extra points uh you know they I guess they weren't confident and it's like okay well if you're not going to kick it at least go for it. I don't remember do you remember I didn't look to see what maybe the down was it was fourth and 15 moment, uh, 15 okay so but yeah you're at the 31. Like, yeah, okay. yeah that's very true so that's why it is weird. Maybe they didn't trust him and it's like, well, you should go for it either, either way. Either way, I don't know. It worked out for him. And he, like you could tell the future, you know, by the end of the game as well. So he got lucky. So then there was that. And then Noah, they 
and then we punted on them. Obviously, being pinned at the one, we saw Nick just, you know, trying to like just sneak it up for a couple yards to get it out. Romir had a five yard run, third and four, manageable. Romir five to get us that first down, and then we just couldn't get anything to go. Nathan Torney, a 32 yard punt. They know it didn't take them long, nine plays, 50 yards to go down at three minutes and 40 seconds. We mentioned how, you know, Annexted had a nice game. We'll get to it that they didn't have Cole Mueller. He would have ran all over us probably, especially with knowing how this game went down. Uh, but Lampkin, though, I mean, he finished off this drive, and they were, they were fourth and goal at R6, and they managed to get in Annexted with an easy pass. I'm pretty sure DJ got beat and just had him on a slant, it looked like, or something to get on the board to make it 19-7. So we said, okay, they got on the board. Let's just sustain. You know, we're in the second half. Let's just try to – Whatever, but then they kicked it off, and Javon actually ran 16, even though he kicked it in the end zone. And then Javon ran out 16 yards to get to our 20. Uh, and then, no, I think this is where it obviously became a little bit, or obviously throughout this whole thing about the play calling and uh, whatever the word is. Yeah, that, that Nick ab- was doing conservative. Real quick about the play calling. Going back to our previous possession, third and one. He runs a reverse to Avante on third and one, and you lose three yards. I mean, that's just terrible play calling. I mean, he had finally he admitted it after the game, told him in the locker room he needed to be better, and he said it today. But you have one of three, Romir, you have Javon Williams for one, but Romir or Justin Strong or even a QB sneaks that usually Nick Baker, if we need a yard, he's going he's gonna to yard at least on the goal line. So, uh that was a big question one, but yeah, I mean, this drive, I mean, you start out, throw a pass to, I guess, a screen pass to Rowe, you lose yard there. Um, then we, Rowe gets a good rush for six of the middle. Um, but then uh, we got called, uh, said, we got called for holding, but uh, they got called for holding, so we get a first down there to move move the chains. Jerron rushes for for five. Um then here's another another questionable third down call. Third and three. He runs tries to run a draw play for Nick Baker, a QB draw. Uh just back to back, third down, not doing it. Um Horny actually had a decent punt of forty two yards. The pin him inside at least their twenty uh to flip the field a little bit, but Back-to-back third down, conversions you need to have, you had to have, just terrible play calling by Nick Hill. Yeah, and it's it's the third and manageable, and he kind of touched on that. I'm pretty sure we talked about it on the pre-show, and he talked about it, I guess, in his post-game comments and stuff. It's like, yeah, you got to – can't be too cute all the time. You know, you just got to run the ball and not be – yeah, and you're right, he acknowledged that – that play with Deontay that lost yards. And even on this one with Nick, yeah, it says it was a run. I'm, I'm thinking, and there was a gap for him at one point. And then all of a sudden, one of their linebackers came and just ate him alive. I'm surprised it wasn't a sack fully. It's like there was just a wide opening there that he probably would have saw and it gave him the rushing attempt. And he probably was meant to do that in the first place, but it didn't work yet. Just when you're, when you're you know, that down in short distance, I mean, I feel like, a lot of people, a lot of teams have issues with that, but knowing that we haven't really had a whole lot of issues with it, we just went back to the red zone and how we want to be better at them. We were good at that, you know, the first part of this game, but 
Yeah, clearly, yeah, got to be better. I mean, it's it's good when your coach can acknowledge it, but then you're right. It, the punt, and this was a punt where I think he dropped, and he was able to punt at 42 yards and pin them down. You're right, but it didn't take long before they went down and scored again to make it a five-point game. And Ennickstab was just killing us. When Dewey had a uh, that's been a illegal substitution, oh, we talked about this. I mean, it, it, we talked about the inexcusableness. That's not a word, but how inexcusable it is to have too many men on the field, uh, which this just reminds me of, like, subbing in and out. We know we, there's been some confusion on that a lot, special teams, defense, and offense. We saw Remington Lutz in this game at times. Uh, come in and we were expecting to be, you know, an end zone or a red zone threat. And he was blocking. He missed a block and they took him right back out. Just picture him running, but not getting guys off the field. And you called it at the moment. We had too many guys on. So there's a penalty. So you're shooting yourself in the foot even more. Ennickstab was just easy. He was running, but he was just completing passes left and right to Carter and Felix Brown. And then he gets uh, – I don't even want to help pronounce his last name, but then he got him for a score there that made it that score, 19-14. to 14. And then, no, I mean, it, and then two minutes – and then we punt again, three plays, three and out. Next thing you know, they get it. Thankfully, the defense came through here near the end of the game and forced another punt of theirs that barely took a minute off the clock, which we wanted more time, I suppose. Real quick, back to their – Go ahead. Real quick, back to their last scoring drive. We had two penalties that extend their drive. The first one was a roughing the passer by one of your leaders, by Keenan Agnew. It's unexcusable. They, we had them at third and eight. We give them, we give them a 14-yard penalty by roughing the passer. Unexcusable. Then the the substitution – Guys are tired. I know that it was a long, longer drive, but it has to be better. I mean, we had three timeouts. If our defense was that tired, we could have burned one because obviously we weren't, we weren't using them at the time. Um, but then again, I mean, we get nothing going. Obviously, defense steps up. We get the ball back in prime position with about six minutes and change left to make a drive and really put the game away. But, I mean – a rush, a rush with Justin Strong for three yards. Then, uh, I mean, I think this is, I think this is the one where second and seven, you call a tight end screen to Jacob Garrett, who is probably battling on one leg. That's a one yard loss. So you got third and eight. We had to call a timeout to really set up a big third third down. Then it's, uh, this is the play where we had a good view. Avante was wide open. Nick missed him. Incomplete to Justin Strong. Right then and there, we're punting again. Exactly, yeah. And Avante was frustrated after that. <clears throat> we literally said, how about you – I think we said right before that play, get your best player involved, and he was open. Definitely would have extended the drive at the end of the game there. And you go back to those penalties. Yeah, I recall Mikel made a huge tackle for loss to set them up for a one of those, you know, desperation almost third downs. And then he gets the rough in the pass or the next play. Like, he's overly confident and has that happen. So, you know, definitely the th- I think the too many men on the field, which that hasn't happened to us all year. I think, you know, I feel like there was a maybe one in Northwestern, I believe, that we had. It just, it's not a lot. Those are the ones you cannot uh, have at all. And then it's knowing that a player who – an important player who makes a play and then, and then scratches it off the next – literally the next play, I believe. So, yeah, you're right. And tight end screen, I think he should have acknowledged that one. Like, we see it. We see Jacob, (laughs) 
you know, get involved in that kind of game. And then knowing that he's on one leg, he must have been saying the whole thing, which we've been talking about with Tua. I'm fine. I'm, you know, with the head. And I know this is a, you know, a knee for Jacob Gary. So I'm fine. And then he tells him how it is. And it's okay. Well, we'll run this to you just throughout the game, not even realizing it's like, you don't need to put a guy like that in that kind of situation. But yeah, another one of those terrible, terrible play calls. And the one that missed Avante is awful. Um, like I said, hopefully Avante let him know about that uh, at the time. And then, and then, no, I mean, yeah, we were punting. And the next thing you know, it was desperation without a doubt. They had a drive that they went 58 yards, about three minutes, 40 seconds. They got us down, you know, within about, it was a fourth and eight, which Richie got to him here at the very end that, you know, like, but they were just rolling right downfield. And it came, which I recall actually on one of our other punts, Torney had another 42 yarder. He didn't fully drop it. May this may have been the dropped one, but it was, it was just one. desperation. Yep. That one desperation and has a you know the boot that we know he has and was able to get it out, which thankfully. But then know this last play and one of our other captains we mentioned, Richie Hager, to get in the, the nine yard sack to pretty much put this game away. We'll talk about our final possession and icing it for sure. But, no, that's when you need your best players to step up. And we know Onyx Dad had got sacked a lot. So we sacked him a couple times in this game, had eight before the game. But you can obviously get to him, and it was tough at times. He had a clean pocket to make throws, especially on ones like this drive. For, you know, I see a 17-yard on here, then followed by an eight-yard. We were just pure – us and other SIU fans right behind us we were just pure freak-out mode of the potential of how this could have ended, knowing it was only a five-point game. So, Noah – after that huge sack, and we had with a minute 35, you want to ice it a certain way, and none other than Javon Williams makes arguably, or not arguably, the play of the game. Yeah, obviously. Back to that drive real quick. Their first uh, their first and 10 on their 20, uh, Zach Barola, QB pressure, gets a really good hit on Anikstad. Uh Brenty Combs almost makes a, a game-changing play interception that would have changed the game, diving play. Uh, almost did that, but they drive down. Richie makes that play, like you said. But then, uh, then one of their, I think it was the, I want to say it was their third and eight. It was broken up by DJ. Got very lucky that it wasn't because I I went back and watched the game yesterday. Yeah. Very lucky it wasn't pass interference on DJ. Um, this is where their coach got the unsportsmanlike because he had had enough. Don't blame him there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Javon gets a six. He calls, got his number called six yard gain to run the clock. Um, then uh, Javon's in Wildcat and uh, goes off to the right. And then uh, Avante's a little bit like four or five yards up the field. I think it was five. Tosses it to him, little shovel pass near the sideline of an Avante. Sits down. Then we get the near the clock out. Um, we talked about it and ended up we had to look back at the we talked about it uh I think it was on the way home that I almost thought that it was Avante's only catch and it kept his streak alive, but he had one more in the game. So uh really actually going back and watching it and I had some other discussions that we're fortunate we weren't called for a ineligible receiver or ineligible player downfield. Because it was a run play for for Javon in the Wildcat, and he decided to shovel pass at the end. But we had offensive linemen downfield that could have called the flag, but they did not. So got lucky there. Then we got to go into victory formation. 
It's a great point. Yeah, I think you said that at the time, and um, the fact that that could have happened, and you're right, the unsportsmanlike that they had, they were already frustrated and realized. I'm sure they were honestly maybe thinking that themselves. So yeah, I think we did get bailed out there as well. Just a enormously smart play, like I said, play of the game for Javon there too. And you're right, we. Didn't even fully recall, and I don't think we've even mentioned it clearly, the, the other catch that Avante had in the game. We talked about the one that didn't happen. It's a safest streak, and we joked that maybe they knew. You know, Javon made the smart play in the moment. We talked about maybe he knew and they wanted to keep the streak alive that they did that, but obviously I, don't, I wouldn't think that's the case. It was just a in-the-moment thing, which it clearly iced the game and did wonders, and that was led by him. I'm pretty sure Nick said after the game that that's what you expect from a guy like Javon, that when his number is called, yeah, that he can go in there and make that happen after a key six-yard run that kept the clock rolling as well. So, And that did finish the game into the victory formation. You're right. And we walked over to where they came off the field. Just a, a game that we know, because we hadn't won here in 10 years, found out that's that after the game. We know we never had success. We've only beat them twice in the last six meetings or so. So they had our number, and they almost, as you said earlier, almost the exact same result as just in terms of getting shut out at halftime and then ended up winning. We scored 35 unanswered last year, and they just almost, you know, and that's where we tweeted at the end. It came down to the defense. Offense was awful, one of the worst halves we can remember of execution and play calling, and then your defense comes through when it seemed like your defense was – Defense has been great the last, and our wins have been really, really good. It's just the first part of the year we didn't know how this defense was going to be, and yeah, their guys were winded, so that's why you know we got that one penalty. But you know we have the depth to be able to. We saw like Hundemer out there and stuff. Feel like you barely saw him throughout the game, and then, but just the fact that you get that, which is good. So our depth is, our depth is really good to finish that one out. So, yeah, just absolute craziness. One of the craziest games we can remember. But like I said, we came over saying Xavion led the song, and then we were players were walking off. You're right; they were just saying where the basketball players were. But we got a chance to congratulate a lot of the players walking out. It was a cool moment. Uh, and then we just saw Nick walking over, talking to family. A lot of people were there. Wasn't there somebody maybe there that Avant, that Nick and the Cox brothers knew? Seemed like that was the case. Yeah, game, Ro- and then when they were walking out, yeah, yeah. Rochester's coaching staff was there. A lot of the coaches and family. Um, they got to see them. Then uh, Rochester's uh, local radio station was there, and I think uh, Nick and Avante, uh, or Nick and Deontay and Avante, I think, caught up with them. I think they maybe had a quick interview with them. Um, I think we retweeted it. I saw it on our timeline. I may not have, but, um, yeah, cool to see um, their coach. They produce. I, I do know uh, Nick Hill's brother was also there. I think he he's on staff at Rochester. I think he's offensive coordinator there last time I heard. Um, but, yeah, a lot of family there. Good to see their um, kids come off the field. Really cool experience. Be able to see see the guys up close and personal like that after game. Yeah, and overall, you're right. I think there would be some ties there for him, uh, for his brother to get – that job ironically but yeah I mean it's cool to see them being able because that's not obviously that far of a trip for them and to see see them come down for that and we had a really good fan base overall throughout uh saw some tailgaters but then obviously got the SAU chance throughout the game and it was it was a really good game so let's dive into this box score uh not a whole lot from Nick throwing in the second half to get his stats where they were he didn't have a 
didn't have a throwing touchdown. We just rushed a lot for touchdowns in this game, him included on that. 15 of 19, 143 for 79% completion percentage. Javon had the two for 21. Romir, 15-74. I mean, that's about five yards of carry. A solid performance from from Rowe once again with that touchdown. Deontay only had the one run, but it was the pivotal one clearly to set us up. He was second. Uh, Javon, nine for 32 with that touchdown. Justin, five of 23. So he got going a little bit. Hopefully that can get him going. That was almost five yards of rush for him. And then Avante, two for negative two. And then Nick with a couple sacks and overall eight for negative 10. And then Noah Deontay, we mentioned player the, or newcomer of the week. Incredible performance. Ended up with six for 102. Had a 58 was his longest on one of his catches, we recall, at the start of the game. Bryce had a couple more in the second half. Five for 52. Avante, two for eight. Saved himself. Saved his streak. And then uh, Justin, a couple, and they had some negatives. We mentioned Jacob Garrett had negative. That's all he did, which thankfully, if he was, if he was healthy, that's, he didn't have to do anything else. And so, thoughts on what still got to you here? in this and then kick us off with how the defense and maybe even the team stats ended up at the end. Yeah, obviously offense, uh, not a lot of yards. Uh, Nick could have missed a couple deep balls, but yeah, Roe getting going close to um, close to close to getting to that hundred hundred mark. We need to see uh, maybe a hundred hundred yard rusher, um here soon maybe we get that from him or Javon eventually and Javon can get going break break one um but just just tell you tell you how ugly our offense was in the second half uh 75 total yard in the second half by our offense uh I think it was 17 passing yards between Javon and Nick and we had 58 rushing yards so that's how ugly your offense was in the second half. Not good. It's got to be so much better if you want to win games down the stretch here. Uh, but defensive, uh, Branson Combs talked about him, had five at halftime, got five more in the second half, had a pass breakup. We talked about almost picked it off to ice the game. But another solid outing by by Branson. I mean, he's becoming a leader in that middle of that defense. Uh, really, really strong second half by Clayton Bush, David Miller, and PJ and Zach. Um, David had that half sack to go along with Dewey, and Richie had a full sack in the game. So, um, three sacks total. Good to see Dewey, David come off corner blitzes. We've seen that. I think we've seen one by DJ to get to to get one to start the game. So. Uh, I believe that was the first play. DJ came on corner blitz and stuff a run. So, uh, like I said, Branson Cones becoming um, such a strong leader, um, stepping up, making plays happen. Uh, yeah, like I said, Cam Bowdry went down, didn't see him. Hopefully he's all right. But really solid outing by this defense to step up. Uh, we know they're tired. We knew they were playing a lot of snaps. Uh, know they were tired, so uh, made it happen when it needed to. Big play by Richie to end it. Yeah, and we had, you know, we only had one quarterback hit in the first half, and then we ended up with six. So, I mean, that just shows you how the defense buckles down with the pressure. You're right. I mean, and seeing DJ at the very bottom didn't even have a tackle in this game, but had a pass breakup and, you know, had, you know, probably a little bit struggled in this game in coverage when they were able to get downfield with ease and, the fact that Dewey had another half sack in the second half to get his total of three and a half on the year. 
Um, some other things that stuck out, we recall Shane Roth had a huge hit on special teams to have his one tackle, a huge hit. No, we haven't heard or seen a whole lot of Shane Roth this year. That was an enormous hit. We recall in years past, players in particular that would get those huge hits. We kind of saw that one coming. Maybe it's just the, the view that we had or something. But, no, I mean, he made his mark and rang a bell or two. Yeah, uh, seeing it again on, on the replay yesterday, big time head. He's been playing a lot of special teams for us on kickoffs and kick returns. So um, he's he's earning a role before um, trying to find a role in that defense. But special teams, he's been doing a good job. Uh, laid the kid out, big time hit. Really, really, really got the defense's juices rolling early um, after that hit, getting – Pumped up, you see the seeing the guys on the sidelines, uh, firing, being fired up after that hit. Love to see that. Um, then other thing defensively, uh, like you said, only one and a half time having those QB rushes is big time. Uh, one thing to notice if you look at the box score, no tackles by DJ Johnson. Only had one pass breakup weren't throwing his way a lot. I mean, they didn't throw a lot of deep balls, but when they were, they weren't going his way. But no tackles for DJ, that's a big-time sign that they're not going at him. That's what I said, yeah. Either they're not going at him or whenever they were throwing that, you know, maybe he was – you're right, his side, maybe that could have been, you know, uh, David's side per se. But when they were throwing, they had more – way more – passing yards in us in this game. So I think he maybe struggled a little bit, but you're right. Maybe just didn't go. We know he struck. He got away with that. No PI in the second half that they got frustrated with. And uh, we know they've gone, they've gone at him at times. And we, you know, they didn't go to PJ at all last year. And now they're moving PJ to safety, which it seems like we're fine at safety per se. If it seems like who's starting who. And I was going to mention some of these other new guys. Antonio had a nice play on the sidelines and break up a ball. It didn't count as a breakup, but. Or, or it was a wrap up on a on a run or something that he made, and then Chris Harris had a lot of huge plays on defense in the second half to care, to help out the cause as well. And then Lewis having a couple of tackles and just seeing a couple more guys on here that it was just cool to see, obviously continue to see those new guys come in and play well. And George Douglas had a big TFL at one point; he was celebrating again like he does, so <clears throat> or run stuff. So I mean, it's just good to see our defense step up like that. And going to the team stats real fast, yeah, they. Literally almost they had one more total yard than us on the game. Like I said, 243 of them were passing 80. They only had 80 rushing yards. We had 158. So I think that's a good sign overall, being able to run the ball when they couldn't and being able to stop their run. Like we said, if Mueller played, it would have been a whole lot different. They were one and four on fourth down, so we were able to come up huge on some of those outside of, you know, that one that was what around the goal line that they or you know, one of them that they didn't get or so or did get and then so that's I think that's something to take away from that as well. And then we noticed how defense stepped up in the second half, but we didn't have any takeaways in this game. And there were no turnovers at all. And this it says we fumbled, but we didn't lose any of them. But obviously, no, not you know, we need to commit turnovers. You know, we did and have, you know, in, in weeks past a little bit. It'd be nice to maybe because imagine if you mentioned Branson almost falling on his that we could have took it because then obviously it would have put the game away a lot more smooth if we had takeaways, but no, I mean, on the brightest side that we didn't, we didn't commit any ourselves or didn't, uh, yeah, on offense, didn't really commit any ourselves. So that's a good sign taken out, taken away from this game. 
Yeah, obviously, to be successful in this league, especially on the road, uh, you got to cause turnovers and you can't turn the ball over. Well, luckily, didn't tonight. Um, but just like just like Nick Hill said in his presser today, or to start his presser today, um, barely did enough to get the job done, and I guess that's all that matters. Yeah, and he was like I said, he was all about himself at the end of like that it was his fault or like today or in the post game, but right after the game he was like celebratory, which as we know a win is a win, either which way it happens. It's just sometimes you take away like what could have been better. Obviously you things that could have cost you and you don't want losses at this point of the year, not against teams like that anyway. So yeah, and then other takeaways we and you mentioned the pressure. I mean, Mike asked him a little bit about avoiding throws over the middle because he said it did work at times, and he asked if that kind of took it away in the second half. And he kind of went around it and didn't think so, and that's when he started to also talk about his play calling and, and his conservativeness, which, you know, as we know, we have a small quarterback, but throws over the middle have worked, and we know about 80% of our plays the other night were screens of some kind. It's something that was, you know, uh, even with the line of scrimmage that we had to – not maybe not get be behind the line of scrimmage a lot to be able to get positive yardage, but um, I mean, it seems like it's you know, avoiding throws over the middle. We know, and it's an example that we didn't see Avante over the middle, missed him there, and just tried to for the flat for Justin. But uh, no, we would like to see obviously more throws over the middle instead of just relying on 80% of your plays, which they see it's coming. And we talked about for the argument for it, we have a lot of burners on our team, we want to be able to use them and use our best players. But, no, obviously, getting stuff over the middle, that's when Tyce Daniel can be involved. And so it would be nice to see more of that, and we're glad Mike asked about that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, that's where Deontay, Deontay and Avante have been living. Jacob Garrett plays over the middle. Um, obviously, most play calls, you have somebody um, with a route over the middle, obviously. I mean, Tyce, um, I can't remember. I think he had a catch last week, but no targets this week. Uh, Jacob Garrett only had one target, and it was the the terrible screen call. Uh, but, yeah, obviously, Avante wide open in the middle. Uh, but, yeah, play calling just has to be better. Obviously, got way too conservative, like I said. 75 yards in the second half. We're lucky to get away with the win from Saturday. No doubts about that. And then some other takeaways. We mentioned how special teams, and Nick mentioned it a little bit, and mentioned Dowman, who does an incredible job. But it's just knowing, obviously, on the blocked PATs, and that, ha- and he mentioned how it did happen at Northwestern, that that needs to be touched up, obviously, coverage on that. And then – you know, on Torney's end to do that, but he said that that will be fixed up. I'm glad that's also something to mention because that's an important part of the game. And Nick mentions how it can obviously swing a game and be the difference in a game, being able to flip the field. And like we said earlier, we're going to need to do that uh, next Saturday. So there was that. And then I mentioned how Deontay was definitely a takeaway in this game. He's a budding star, even at his age and what he's doing. We talked about endlessly about what it could have been if we added him last year just as a weapon. So he was great. And then Noah, quickly, I got some. Get your final thoughts here in a second. I'll mention some quotes from this game. Richie on his final stop said it was just an amazing feeling to get that stop. We knew Illinois State was coming back. We knew our offense was struggling a little bit. We had no doubt in our mind we were going to get that stopping 
and we got that stop. Nick said on Richie, Richie's a player. We've known for that, known that for a long time. I think our defensive front has played really well all season, eliminating chunk runs. It starts with stopping the run first. Uh, and then on Deontay's huge 67-yard uh, play that got us to the two, uh, he said, I ran a double move and got the pass the corner. Nick put a good ball out there, and I just had to run it down and make a play on it. And then he mentioned how Deontay and Nick did about how they're interchangeable. doesn't matter who's at the Z or the X. On a given play multiple times in this game, Avante told Deontay, take the slide, I'll block for you. That's obviously leadership and wanting the others to succeed and knowing what's best for the team. That's my words. But then he then he said, to get in that locker room with the win, that's what we came up here to do. Each game is just a season of its own. Each game brings different flows, adversity, ups and downs. And then it says we've won our fifth straight game against an in-state opponent, which is incredible knowing Northwestern's like the peak, even though or Illinois is playing. Like, Illinois is way better than Northwestern this year. I guess Illinois would be like, oh, we're like the kings of the state if we played them. And then the final quote from where we were in week one, the commitment to grow individually, to get connected, not listen to any outside noise. The team has taken a big step. So no final thoughts on this game. Yeah, obviously um, to get to 2-0 in this conference, to go on the road in this conference, um, I think Nick Hill said it today, four of our first six games on the road. Um, to win three in a row, to keep growing um, is big time. Um, we got to keep growing. And to know that we haven't put our put our best football out there is, is a really good feeling because we know it's coming. We just got to continue to work uh, to, to get out of there with a win because we know how hard it is to win on the road in this league and to win at a place like that. That was a hostile environment. Um, it was a sellout almost. So um, big time, big time win. Uh, like, like Nick said, to get out of there with a win, that's what they came up to do, come up there to do. And that's what they did. So at the end of the day, got the job done, no matter how ugly it was, like the saying goes, it's better to win ugly than win pretty. Yeah, and they did say that. Like he, you know, heard it from someone when he was younger that you'd definitely rather uh, win ugly than lose pretty. I mean, that's definitely definitely the saying. It, it would seem like that, like I said, it, you, you kind of – you could celebrate. We talked about how I think right after SEMA when we were frustrated leaving, it's like you don't want to lose to a team like that, no matter like what they have been so far this year, that even if you got the win, you'd be feeling like, man, okay. Like that's sh- you'd only look at it as like, Oh, well, that shouldn't have happened. But a win is a win at the end of that. And conference without a doubt being two and oh, and we'll get to the, uh, we'll get to the standings in the conference after we go around the FCS and we'll get into some rankings as well. Even a bracketology that Sam Herter has out his third one that might or no might not have us on it. We will discuss that. Noah dive into these games that happened this weekend. Yeah. We had some uh, interesting games around the FCS, not only in our conference to follow along um, of who's really doing what um, obviously we know what happened. We needed to find out the big game. Uh, we were keeping up with it on the way up. Missouri State went on the road um, to North Dakota. Um, North Dakota took care of business. A uh, lot better offense, obviously, than what we saw last weekend. North Dakota takes care of business, like I said, 48-31. Um, they scored 24 straight. 
um, points in the second half at one point um, before Missouri State got on the board late. So big-time victory um, for the Fighting Hawks after they came on the road and lost to us. Uh, Quincy Vaughn scored two two on the ground in the first half. Um, Big-time loss for Missouri State. Um, Another interesting game we wanted to see what happened was Youngstown went on the road to North Dakota State. Um, like to see um, what the Penguins could do on the road. Um, Lubke, um going to win the player of the year in the Missouri Valley. Uh, he had a pair of first-quarter touchdowns um, to really that really put him out. Uh, Kobe Johnson also had a 17-yard touchdown. Um, they were up 21-3 at half. Uh, but the Penguins fought back. They made it 27-14. Um, Bison really just went conservative and really milked the clock in that game to put it away. So, uh, North Dakota State wins again at the Fargo Dome, doesn't surprise us. Uh, Western Illinois had to go on the road to play the Jackrabbits. Um, 34 10, Isaiah Davis, player of the week, um, in the Missouri Valley, 190 yard yards on the ground, and um, including two touchdowns. So, um, they get it done against a winless uh, Western Illinois team. Then Indiana State goes on the road at Northern Iowa. Uh, Northern Iowa squeaks away. Theo Day leads leads them um, for had two touchdowns, twenty to fourteen win for the Panthers. So some really close games, some interesting games we wanted to see. Um, but looking at the standings overall in the Missouri Valley, uh. Three-way tie for first place right now. It's North Dakota State, South Dakota State, and uh, our Saluki. So, um, interesting. Obviously, we don't have to play South Dakota State this year. Um, so, we get away with that. But we know they do play each other. I think it's two weeks from now. So, um, if we can steal one this weekend on the road, um, eventually um, one of those teams has to lose before we play North Dakota State. Uh, North Dakota and Northern Iowa. We thought North Northern Iowa was down, but um, here they are two and one, tied with North Dakota, uh, right behind us. Um, then we have four teams at zero and one: Illinois State, Youngstown State, Indiana State, and South Dakota. Uh, then Missouri State, a shocker, zero and two in the Valley play, uh, down there in the bottom with Western Illinois. Did not think, obviously, tough road. I mean, they had. Had to go at Arkansas, a top ten, a top twenty-five team in the country, in the FBS. Then you had to host South Dakota State. Then you had to go on the road at North Dakota. And now they get us on a three three-game losing streak on the road. So uh, love to see us. We have a shot if we take care of business. We could be right then and there when North Dakota State comes to town. Um, Obviously, they got to play South Dakota State before us, but um, that game, when they come to town, if we take care of business down the way, uh, could mean a lot. But interesting to see. Obviously, the biggest takeaway is Missouri State at 0 2. I'd say Northern Iowa at 2 1. Didn't think they would be up in the four pack. I know they've beaten uh, North or lo- their only losses at North Dakota, played them better than Missouri State did in a dome and their only two wins are against the two bottom feeders in Western and Indiana, Indiana state so far. 
Yeah, and you and I have scored the most. We know the 52-pointer they put up the previous week. They've scored the most out of the teams that have won in the Valley with 99. We've scored the least of the of, of the teams that have, have wins with 53. Yeah, I think – I mean, we talked about you and I is – I'm not going to say a shell of themselves. I mean, it doesn't seem like they're better than they were last year with players. They lost Weston. They lost – Brinkman or the defensive line, they just feel like they've lost a lot of talent and, you know, coming in this year and they're doing what they were supposed to do and, you know, beating the bad teams. And there are a lot of bad teams in this conference, uh, but it shows, yeah, Missouri state. I mean, we'll, we'll get into it that, you know, them barely like still being on the cusp that they've, you know, did not expect this. I'm sure one bit. And um, it just shows North Dakota. It seems like North Dakota we were way better than them when they came to our place and it, it just seems like they found a way to maybe win some games or stay in games with, with their personnel but they're just really good at home I mean if they squeak into the playoffs they're not going to get a home game probably but I mean they're three and they're the same record as us outside of a loss in the conference and three wins are like anything can happen if they were to run a lot and get you know run the table a lot and get in they're not going to get a home game, but if they did, they probably would do some damage in the playoffs. But um, yeah, I want to go back to the, because the, the game with Missouri state, how Missouri state scored a field goal outside of that. It was a garbage time uh, touchdown at the end. Um, and we talked about Missouri state struggles in the second half and we'll talk about it maybe later. And then or at the end of this and then in the next week, it was karma for us that we weren't able to finish as well, but yeah, some of these teams doing what they're supposed to do other than that. Like I said, you and I doing what they're supposed to, and they're scoring a lot. So that'll be tough, and you're right. If Getting past this game on Saturday, if we can do it, that no game is easy, but if you feel like you can run the table up until you can be on a seven-game winning streak before you play North Dakota State at home, it's just massive. So we're sitting pretty in the conference. This is how we wanted to be, knowing that, you know, two teams that, we sh- we feel like obviously we should beat and we took and we took care of that albeit dangerous in the in the second game but we're doing what we're supposed to do so far after our rough start so um, like I said Missouri State definitely surprised at how they're playing and in general like I said a lot of bad teams in this conference or I would only really pinpoint Western and Indiana State being like the true really bad teams of the conference so that shows you why it's the best in the country so did enjoy that note I noticed how some other scores. And, like, speaking of some other bad teams and one that's going to join the cause next year, Murray State went on the road to Southeast Louisiana, who's picked a favorite to win that conference now ever since they beat Incarnate Word. Noah, Murray State's just like Western. No wins on the year. They got blown out in that game. And then we noticed how SEMO was on the road at Lindenwood, uh, and they got the job done there. And we talked about how Lindenwood's taking our place against Kansas next year. But, Noah, uh, far cry from what – Obviously, SEMO has become and what Murray State continues to be. Any other outside of those two, any other games that stuck out on the FCS? Yeah, obviously, what SEMO's doing, um, we thought um, they would battle it out. Obviously, mentioned before, they don't even play uh, UT Martin, the other top team in that, in the OVC, which is weird scheduling. But, um, yeah, UT Martin gets the job done. Um, but yeah, Murray State. I mean, we talked about it. That's what what we felt like was the holdup. Um, obviously, we know. Um, it's two different conferences, two different things between the Missouri Valley and the Missouri Valley football. But them coming over, obviously, they had uh, 
I think they played three FBS games. I know Jacksonville State um, was making the transition. They went at Ball State, then they went at Texas Tech. Um, a tough year, but they last couple years they've been in the mix for the OVC, and now all of a sudden um, looks like a like a drop off. We know we lost some recruits to them, but um, hopefully they regret their decision at this point. But they get they get UT Martin and that awesome P. So they'll be zero and seven going at Lindenwood in the at the end of the month. That'd be a hard game to watch that one at the end of the month for sure. But it stinks because when you get a team like that, it's like that's just more teams you know to feast on, and they're not going to win a conference game next year either. So I don't know why we made this happen. We know in basketball it's great, it's just football doesn't look the best. So. So I'll wait and see. Maybe they can rejuvenate like SEMO has, but SEMO never, I don't think, in the last however long has been as bad as they are. So let's look around rankings around the whole country now. The coaches poll finally back on it at 24. North Dakota State still at the top and SEMO, which a lot of people have talking about, maybe on some other rankings, definitely on the coaches poll here, that SEMO is still behind us, even after beating us, uh, you know, obviously at home and beating like beating the, the head-to-head battle. And the games that they had, they've almost killed every team. They, you know, we know they played maybe one closer game, but they've their offense has continued to show. So people are probably wondering why they're still behind us. Uh, and then I don't think I was going to look at anything. Incarnate Ward's still funneling around the middle of the pack. Missouri State moves down to 19, so they're still ahead of us. I mean, no, it's it's the same thing I mentioned with Semo head to head. Maybe Southeast Louisiana has dropped a game they shouldn't at this point because Incarnate Word is 11 in the coaches' poll and Southeast is 20th. I wonder how that would make up. Like I said, I don't, I'm not sure if Southeast dropped a game they weren't supposed to, but it seems like those should be maybe flip-flopped the way Southeast is playing. Yeah, obviously the head-to-head makes no sense why SEMO isn't ahead of us. I think not only they should be above us, they should be probably – a I'd say close to top 15 team in the country right at this point. I mean, their offense and their defense and their programs headed in the up and up. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's weird seeing some of the teams head-to-head wise. I mean, Missouri State, I know they lost last week and they've lost three in a row, but they also beat UT Martin head-to-head. UT Martin's head to him. I know UT Martin's ended up having a better season. Um, but I do know Southeastern Louisiana um, – Got off to a rough start. I believe they they had two FBS games. They got blown out in both. Um, but other than that, FCS-wise, they blew out Central Connecticut State 70-6. to Then they beat Incarnate Ward by a last-second touchdown. Then they blew out Murray State. So I guess strength of schedule maybe why, and Incarnate Ward blew us out. Maybe that helps. I just, at this point, even FBS – even FBS and FCS, the polls, the AP polls, the coaches' polls, they just don't matter to me at this point. I mean, it's cool to see, but uh, it's never right. The perception that these voters have and coaches have um, is just awful. They ne- never can get it right. Yeah, I know, and we always say how this is the one that maybe matters most and how what people go off of, we know that's – Maybe if we were consistently high on that, that even our main account would be posting about it. They just post what the stats perform, which we're 17 on in this one. But, yeah, you went back. Up for, yeah, it was a barn burner, last-second touchdown. That why a team that even lost to the team that, uh, you know, is ahead of the team that beat them 
is maybe because oh, it took all of their might and it was a barn burn to lose, kind of like how it was with us in Simbo. That yeah, we beat we beat you know they lost to Iowa State, we beat Northwestern, and granted how those how even those teams are different and competitiveness, but uh, I don't know. Yeah, so many things to go off of. You're right. I mean, take a lot of these with a grain of salt. It just seems like that one was the main one because I feel like after definitely last week, North Dakota was ranked that we should have been in that anyway, but now we are. So there's that. Sam Herter wanted to reiterate how the strength of schedules that happened. We know South Dakota's one and they're one and three of those that we were 10th and we're three and two out of our schedule. That's counting everything. Indiana state's on here. One and three Missouri state at their two and three. So realizing that we do have obviously a tough schedule, nothing like South Dakota's. And then, uh, there was an Athlon Sports top 25. There was some other, I mean, FCS Nation had us at, Rate Nation Radio had us at 18th, and the Triumvirate Poll had us at 16th. So all hovering around the same spot for everybody. And then, Noah, as I said earlier, there's a new bracketology. Run that down with Sam Herter had earlier. Yeah, obviously, um, last couple of bracketologies we haven't been in because um, the situation we were at, but this week, um, we're getting that large bid. We're not one of the final four teams in like we have been the last couple of years. It felt like Missouri State, last team in at this point. So um, we have like we have an opportunity maybe to almost put the dagger in their season um, this Saturday. But, yeah, right now we would be, I believe, a home game um, against Chattanooga. Um, Chattanooga, a pretty good school out of the SOCON. Um, Watched their game when they played two weeks ago at Illinois. They got shut out, but their offense and their run game is pretty good. They have a really good running back you could see at the next level. So that would be an interesting matchup. He had North Dakota State um, as the number one seed. Um, found it interesting he had South Dakota State at the four seed, but I assume he foresees that they have to play each other and he has the nod to North Dakota State at this point. But other matchups, first round, Missouri – well, obviously, I should say, if we win our game, we get to go to Montana. That's not great. So we need to keep winning to get out of that get to get out of that area. But other games in the first round I find really interesting. Uh, Missouri State, Incarnate Word, that would be an incredible quarterback battle. Love to see those two offenses go at it. Then the other game I'd love to see, Austin P. Austin P. used to be in OVC. Move conferences now they'd get to play SEMO again. Love to see that matchup. Winner of that would go to South Dakota State. So good luck there. Yeah, it's cool to see SEMO in it. And you're right. I mean, incarnate word, knowing how Missouri State can beat, still beat anybody at times, no matter how their season could play out and things haven't gone their way, that that would be a tough break for incarnate word. I wouldn't be too happy about that. And you're right. And you mentioned home game, and that's what we always strive for. We recall last year how we wanted in a top eight seed so bad when we. Obviously lost out, and then the Youngstown win put us around that where Missouri State is right now, that like one of the final teams in, which we've been trying to get out of that, you know, this whole time. And you mentioned because he has Chattanooga as a automatic bid with their conference as a SoCal that it always looks at these things, and it seems like the, the bottom team or the top team because Mon- like the top four seeds or top however seeds or – yeah, I don't know how why he would do this. Like some are on the top, some are on the bottom in terms of who would be home. So I think we'd be going at Chattanooga, but having a home having a home game would be absolutely pivotal. And you're right, avoiding Montana. So that's why we need to get more wins. We talked about earlier, more wins and a Missouri State win and fighting against North Dakota State, maybe being undefeated 
you know, in, until that game would get us to that point because we want to be able to play even be hard. We want to play like a whatever happens with South Dakota State if they remain in the four, or you want to play like a Sac State, Sacramento State, or Delaware or somebody, and not have to play one of the top two because we know we definitely were in the rough part last year with getting North Dakota State in the second round after the nice playoff when we had last year. So yeah. This will change, and hopefully as we continue to win, maybe we can continue to see ourselves in this. It's always fun to just speculate before it would really happen. We talked about how on Friday it was 100 days till Frisco, so it'll be here before we know it, just continuing week by week to be the team we want to be constantly. All right, Noah, real fast. Uh, we know NFL Salukis. Jeremy's been the only one really playing, and we talked about how he was all over their Twitter and doing stuff before the week. It looked like he got hurt in this game. We – Quoted a tweet with prairie emojis of that he's dealing with a hamstring injury that he suffered. And Matt Rule, head coach, said he's going to be out a couple weeks. So wish Jeremy a speedy recovery because the Panthers are already struggling. They don't need one of their leading tacklers to be out for that long. So we expect Jeremy to show his value with being out a couple weeks with the Panthers. And then Noah Ryan Neal, it's good to see him finally back on the stat sheet. He had two tackles in this game, surely on special teams, but I went back and tried to look because we know Jamal Adams got hurt earlier in the season. They're talking about Ryan was building his way from an ankle injury and don't recall maybe last week what he had. He might have done something, but it's the first box score I've seen of him doing something. So a couple tackles, great to see Ryan because we know he's pivotal on that team as well with the route that they're going. So, no, with all that being said, before we sneak peek Missouri State rundown, uh, the commits game this past week. Yeah, our commits – um, had a pretty solid week for our commits, uh, starting with our newest one. We added last week, we talked about him, um, down in Huntsville, Alabama. Um, the Panthers got their third win in a row, um, went on the road to Albertville, um, won 34 to seven. So big word, big win for Cameron and the Panthers down there. They improved to four and two on the season. Um, the three and one in their region. They're playing seven A region four down there. So um another win for them. They look to we'll discuss it on Friday. They got another road game this week. Um staying down in Alabama, um, our two commits at Prattville High School. The Lions uh win their third in the road as well. They moved to four and two. Um they went on the road as well and beat Enterprise 42-26. Um, they return home this week, so they also look to go um, for four in a row. Um, they're two and two in region. They play in seven A region two, so um, maybe down the road in seven A regional or seven A state uh, playoffs, uh, our commits can meet. Maybe that'd be pretty cool. Um, going out to Derby, Kansas, and our guy. Uh, out there in Miles Wash. Um, after their first loss, we talked about it before, their first loss in a close game to Manhattan in week one. They've strung four in a row here, so they improved to four and one. They they went on the road to Hayesville campus, win 70 to 13, so big time blowout win. Probably not a lot of playing time for in that one. Um, for Miles Wash in that game and a blowout like that, um, our guy Logan Minton, um, probably not a lot of playing time this week for him. Um, I know he made a tweet. He did have a touchdown in this one, a forty-nine to ten win for Lafayette over Ladue. Lafayette improves to four and two. They're two and zero oh in league play, so 
Um, big time win for Logan and the guys. Um, I think it was homecoming he tweeted. So big time win there. Um, going down to Florida um, in our running back down there. Um, the Gators um, get back on the winning get back on the win column four and two on the season. Um, they're one and0 in district. They went they had a home game against Lighthouse Private Christian Academy 48 to seven. so Caleb, uh, Caleb Wagner probably um, had a pretty good game, I'd say with a win like that. Um, then going up going up north to where we were this kind of no kind of in the northern central area um with the olympia spartans um our offensive line commit uh blaine halley um they lost a tough one they moved to three and three um they're three and three in conference um they lost to a really good football team and one of the powerhouses um in the state and moroa forsyth uh 42 to 20 um looking ahead uh olympia returns home to play a really good football team so uh, got another tough one this week, um, but Blaine and them are battling, trying to get back um, over that 500. Then going down to Georgia, Amir uh, Dwight, um, they've lost two in a row. They dropped a three and three. Um, they're 0-1 in region. Um, they lose on the road to uh, undefeated uh, Daughtery, 25-9. So a uh, tough one for Crisp County, um, dropping back to 500 at three and three then finishing off um with our um most impressive team out of our commits um and Aiden Durig another offensive lineman well they've won seven in a row they're seven and oh five and oh in conference um they win another one on the road over La Porte 51 to 10 um crown point still running the table uh, two games left in the regular season for them. Um, that offense is rolling. They've outscored opponents 280 to 98 this season. So um, offensive line doing a really good job up there. So two games left to run the table. Um, so uh, some losses there, but overall really good weekend of games for Friday and Saturday night for our commits. For sure. Again, just thinking about how it's growing with adding camera now. It's just it's just always fun to go through that summer. I want to get back to five hundred, as you said. So yeah, it's just always fun to go back and see. And like I said, kudos to you for kind this information, Logan. Unless they all post it, we know Caleb Wagner has a post. It'd be really nice to see his box scores. But seeing Logan get a touchdown is good. He's just so big out there. I remember seeing it that it was kind of an easy back of the end zone kind of catch. You're right. So they they blew a team out. He didn't have to do a whole lot else. So good job on that once again. Now, no, let's end with this small little sneak peek to the Bears. We know they're we know they're scuffling. We talked about how this is kind of a rivalry. They barely beat us at their place two years ago, and then they, you know, the way that the game should have ended better for us last year. We know they got a really good defense or at times a really good front. Uh, you know, we've been wanting to, like I said, kind of a budding robbery and want to, you know, revenge what we've – how our losses have been the last couple of years. We know they're talented. Uh, they're reigning player of the year, Missouri Valley player of the year on their team. No, dive in quickly to what they got because no matter how they're struggling, it's going to be a problem to with everybody on their team almost. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, 
Uh, obviously, you mentioned it, reigning offensive player of the year and Jason Shelley. Um, we know what he did to us last year. We were able to sack him like seven times, still beat us um, on our home turf. Um, remember last time we went down to Springfield, they had a game-winning field goal on us. So um, it's a dual-threat kind of game. They have a Kansas State transfer who was Bo Brannion's teammate in high school and Jacardia Wright. Um, really solid, really solid athlete. Can can receive, can pass. They have two of the best receivers in the country. We've known we struggled against teams that have two guys. Um, just not one guy you can shut down. But we know what Jason Kelly, and we know what Petrino can do with that defense. So, um, really, I know they've struggled there. Know their offensive linemen had some struggles. We know they're on a, like you said, almost a downward spiral, um, losing three in a row after two wins over on the road at Central Arkansas, a decent football team, then uh, rematching their playoff game last year against UT Martin, losing three in a row. Um, yeah, like I said, they they return home. It's going to be a good game, a tough game. Um, so – could put the dagger in their season, so we'll wait. We'll just we'll dissect them more on Friday. Yeah, like we, like I said earlier, it's kind of the game of the year. Just and and they it would have been game of the year even if they weren't struggling. So they're going to have something to prove. They want to get on the boards, like you said earlier, like kind of save their season because they're kind of on the brink here. So it will be fun to discuss. We're sure the team and Coach Hill will have a lot to discuss on it because they are multifaceted in, in tons of ways and going on the road will be tough. Excited to talk about that, Noah. So in the end, talk about this win and what we got and what we've talked about so far and into the what we'll talk about at the end of the week. What are your final thoughts? Yeah, obviously, um, happy we were able to escape with the win. Looking forward to this game this week. Um, hopefully have a good week of practice. Hopefully any nicks and bruises banged up, we get healthy, get right. Um, cause we're going to need all hands on deck for Saturday. Tough one on the road. Uh, we've got a lot on film. I know we can fix. So hopefully they do that good week of practice. So excited. Um, can't wait for to dissect the bears, um, later this week for you guys and get back to it. Yeah. And just reminding myself, you know, you said nicks and bruises, like hopefully cam battery is good to go. We talked about the injuries that maybe we, do or don't know about, you're right, because this is the one we want all hands on deck. We're talking about Isaiah Hardship, still not ready. It'd be great. I remember saying at the beginning of the year, if we can get Isaiah back for the Missouri State, that'd be great. It doesn't look like that's going to happen. We think we have the personnel. It's just capitalizing off what was a bad second half on the last game to propel us into this next week. Being 2-0, and looking to sink the Bears in their season. Looking forward to talking about it, as you said. So, Fornick Malone. No alerts. As always, till the end of the week, go dogs.